Thought Leadership from PwC. Welcome to PwC's Accounting Podcast. I'm Heather Horn. Today's episode is our audio companion to PwC's quarter close publication, which rounds up topics to be aware of as you close your books for the quarter. And for another quarterly resource, don't forget to tune in to our quarterly webcast airing on September 14th, 23rd, or 29th. You can register at viewpoint.pwc.com. With that, I'd like to introduce your narrators, PwC partner, Angela Ferguson, and PwC Director, Mark Jerusalem. Angela and Mark are both regular guests on the podcast and both from our national office. And with that, I'll turn it over to Angela and Mark. In the third quarter of 2021, many companies are keeping a close eye on developments in Washington, including infrastructure legislation and tax reform. The timing for tax reform is not yet clear. However, companies will need to react quickly if new tax laws are enacted. We summarize the key tax reform proposals and how companies can plan ahead. At the SEC, Chair Gary Gensler provided more details on a proposal for mandatory climate risk disclosures, predicting its completion by year's end. Chair Gensler also went on record with his views on the crypto ecosystem, comparing it to the Wild West, and calling for more investor protection. Whether it's stablecoins or central bank digital currencies, if you're having trouble keeping up on the crypto lingo, you're not alone. Head to Ask the National Office for a primer on crypto assets and some of the related accounting considerations. Another phrase you may begin hearing more of is energy efficiency as a service. We explore the accounting implications of this growing ESG trend, including the potential for embedded leases. In standard-setting news, the FASB is still awaiting feedback from stakeholders on its future agenda, including whether it should tackle emerging topics in crypto and ESG. In the meantime, the FASB has added projects to make course corrections on accounting for credit losses and issued new narrow-scope standards you'll want to have on your radar. This edition of the Quarter Close highlights these and other relevant accounting and reporting topics you should consider as you close out the third quarter of the year. In this first section of the Quarter Close, we discuss some of the headlines from the third quarter of 2021, starting with planning ahead for tax reform. Although the specific details and timing of U.S. tax law changes remain uncertain, President Biden and Democratic congressional leaders have indicated that they are seeking to complete action on the administration's budget proposals before the end of 2021. Under U.S. GAAP, the effects of a change in tax law or rates are recognized in the period that includes the enactment date. For U.S. federal tax purposes, the enactment date is generally the date the president signs the bill into law. That means companies should start preparing now for the accounting and reporting implications of potential tax law changes. In May, the Department of the Treasury released details on President Biden's budget proposal, which includes a number of proposed amendments to U.S. tax law that will impact businesses. Some of the significant proposals are an increase in the corporate tax rate from 21% to 28%, changes to foreign income inclusions 
and elimination of deductions for U.S. multinational corporations, additional interest expense limitations for consolidated financial reporting groups, a minimum tax on book earnings of large corporations, and new incentives for onshoring jobs to the U.S., a number of new and amended credits, changes to the foreign tax credit regime, and disincentives for inverting to a foreign jurisdiction. These proposals are likely to change during the negotiation process. However, actions companies can take now include modeling the impacts of President Biden's proposals, understanding and gathering the relevant data needed for computations, and identifying resources and technical expertise needed to analyze and account for the tax law changes in the period of enactment. For further information on President Biden's tax proposals, listen to our podcast, Forecast 2021, Demystifying Biden's New Tax Proposals, and read our Tax Insights, Treasury Green Book Describes Biden's Tax Proposals for Businesses, and Tax Accounting Considerations of the Treasury Green Book. The next headline relates to Environmental, Social, and Governance, or ESG, reporting. And we'll start with a quote from SEC Chair Gary Gensler from July 2021, who said, When it comes to climate risk disclosures, investors are raising their hands and asking regulators for more. This quarter, SEC Chair Gary Gensler confirmed he is targeting a proposal for mandatory climate risk disclosures by the end of the year. He cited investor demand for information and noted that three out of four responses to the SEC's request for input supported mandatory disclosures. Chair Gensler described various metrics under consideration, including greenhouse gas emissions, financial impacts of climate change, and progress toward climate-related goals. Chair Gensler also tweeted his intentions for a proposal on human capital disclosures but he did not provide a specific time frame. Metrics could include information about turnover, training, compensation, demographics, and health and safety. For the latest on ESG, watch the replay of our webcast, ESG, What Finance Teams Need to Know, and visit our ESG Hot Topics page. Next, we bring you the inside scoop with insights from the front lines where you can get up to speed on some of the technical accounting trends we are seeing during the third quarter of 2021. The trend we'll cover in this section is energy efficiency as a service, and how these arrangements may mean you are entering into a lease. Many companies are embracing ESG and looking for ways to demonstrate their commitment to energy efficiency. Vendors are marketing service offerings often referred to as energy efficiency as a service, that promise to reduce or eliminate upfront costs, reduce energy costs, and reduce environmental impact in exchange for payments over time. In a typical energy efficiency as a service arrangement, a third-party vendor incurs the costs associated with identifying needed capital improvements or asset additions, and then ensures construction, procurement, installation, and maintenance to improve efficiency. These capital improvements and asset additions are typically located on the customer's premises. The vendor retains ownership of the assets and charges the customer a service fee 
that may be determined based in whole or in part on actual efficiency performance metrics achieved. Although marketed as a service, customers must evaluate these arrangements to determine whether they contain embedded leases. Failure to identify and account for embedded leases can have a significant impact on the financial statements. The next important step, then, is understanding how to identify embedded leases. Judgment is often required. A contract contains a lease under ASC 842 if, one, it contains an explicitly or implicitly identified asset that is physically distinct, and, two, the customer will control the use of the identified asset. If the vendor has the practical ability to substitute the identified asset without requiring customer approval and doing so would be economically beneficial to the vendor, the arrangement would not contain a lease. The assessment will also require determining whether the customer has the right to control the asset throughout the period of use. Control involves directing how and for what purpose an asset is used while obtaining substantially all of the economic benefits from the use of the asset. Economic benefits include the output from the asset, but may also include other benefits a customer may be entitled to, such as environmental incentives and rebates arising from the use of the assets. A vendor may use multiple assets to fulfill the energy efficiency services arrangement, which typically requires each functionally independent asset to be evaluated individually. Finally, applying the lease guidance. It's unlikely that an entire energy efficiency as a service arrangement will be subject to lease accounting. These arrangements are complex and often involve substantial non-lease goods or services that may need to be accounted for under other U.S. GAAP. Since the arrangements often require periodic fixed payments from the customer, these payments are allocated to the leased assets and non-leased goods or services based on their relative standalone selling prices. Payments allocated to leased assets would be recognized as a right-of-use asset and lease obligation on the customer's, lessee's, balance sheet. For more information on identifying embedded leases, and their accounting impact, refer to Section 2.3 of our Leases Guide. The next section we cover is Ask the National Office, Perspectives from Our Professionals. We discuss what you need to know to get up to speed on crypto assets with Beth Paul, Deputy Chief Accountant and Partner in our National Office. Crypto assets, cryptocurrencies, stablecoins, central bank digital currencies, CBDCs, What do these terms mean? Crypto assets are transferable digital representations that are designed in a way that prohibits their copying or duplication. The technology that facilitates the transfer of crypto assets is referred to as blockchain or distributed ledger technology. Crypto assets come in a variety of forms and new assets continue to be created. I'll highlight three types. One, cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin operate independent from a central bank and are intended to function as a medium of exchange or store of value. Two, stablecoins are a type of cryptocurrency that includes mechanisms designed to minimize price volatility 
by linking their value to a more traditional asset, such as a fiat currency or a commodity. Three, a CBDC, central bank digital currency, is a digital representation of sovereign currency that is issued by a central bank and represents a claim against the issuing central bank. Many countries are in some stage of researching or developing CBDCs. If a company holds crypto assets, which accounting guidance applies? There is currently no GAAP standard that explicitly addresses the accounting for crypto assets. To determine the appropriate accounting, you have to understand the rights and other features specific to the asset. For example, some crypto assets provide the holder with an interest in another asset. It might be accounted for in a manner similar to the underlying asset. There is no one-size-fits-all accounting model for crypto assets. Many crypto assets do not meet the definition of cash or a financial instrument. And given that crypto assets are not tangible assets, they do not meet all of the requirements of inventory. As a result, many crypto assets should be accounted for as indefinite lived intangible assets. What is the general accounting for crypto assets that are indefinite lived intangible assets? Crypto assets accounted for as indefinite lived intangible assets are initially recorded at cost and are not subject to amortization. Subsequently, they are tested for impairment annually and more frequently when a triggering event occurs. A triggering event may occur if there is a transaction in which an identical asset is bought or sold at a price below the current carrying value. These triggering events could occur frequently for crypto assets that trade regularly and have fluctuating prices. If the asset is impaired, it will be written down to fair value. However, increases in fair value are not recognized until the company sells the crypto asset. What are some other key considerations for companies that hold crypto assets? Some companies use a third-party custodian to address security concerns surrounding crypto assets. This can require additional analysis to assess which party controls the assets. The accounting for crypto assets also often requires robust processes and controls to monitor and evaluate pricing information to identify potential impairments. Crypto assets do not trade on traditional markets with established trading hours, which creates additional challenges for monitoring pricing changes. There are a lot of things to consider when holding crypto assets. Governance, taxes, valuation, controls, to name a few. So we've only scratched the surface of this topic. For more on the accounting for crypto assets, read our new crypto assets guide and listen to our forecast 2021 the rise in central bank digital currencies, and cryptocurrency, digital asset, what's the accounting podcasts. The next section includes our practical insights and reminders to help you with the transition to new accounting standards and guidance. The first topic we cover is the new guidance on liabilities and equity, which will be effective soon. The adoption of ASU 2020-06 The new guidance on liabilities and equity is coming up soon, as it is effective for calendar year-end public business entities in January 2022. The guidance simplifies the accounting for certain financial instruments by reducing the number of accounting models 
for convertible debt and convertible preferred stock instruments. In addition, the FASB amended the derivative guidance for the own stock scope exception and certain aspects of the guidance for calculating earnings per share, EPS. ASU 2020-06 could have significant and unexpected consequences related to how certain instruments are reflected on a company's balance sheet and treated in EPS. Therefore, it is important to evaluate its implications in advance of the period of adoption. Additionally, companies should continue to reassess their related disclosures of the impact of accounting standards issued but not yet effective, SAB 74 disclosures. These disclosures are generally expected to become more detailed in reporting periods closer to a standards adoption date. For further information on the impact of adopting the new standard, refer to our Financing Transactions Guide and read our in-depths Adopting the New Liability and Equity Guidance Early and Accounting for Convertible Instruments with Own Equity Contracts. The guidance we cover next is the latest amendments to the leases standard issued by the FASB. On July 19th, the FASB issued ASU 2021-05, which requires a lessor to classify a lease with variable lease payments that do not depend on an index or rate as an operating lease. If, one, the lease would have been classified as a sales type or direct financing lease, and, two, the lessor would have recognized a selling loss at lease commencement. These changes are intended to avoid recognizing a day one loss for a lease with variable payments, even though the lessor expects the arrangement will be profitable overall. The amendments are effective for all entities for fiscal years beginning after December 15, 2021. For public business entities, the ASU is effective for interim periods within those fiscal years. For all other entities, the ASU is effective for interim periods within fiscal years beginning after December 15, 2022. Lastly, we look at the FASB's new disclosure requirements for government assistance. The FASB will soon finalize new disclosures for business entities receiving government assistance by issuing ASC 832, Disclosures by Business Entities About Government Assistance. The disclosures will be required for transactions with a government that are accounted for by applying a grant or contribution model by analogy, such as IFRS Guidance on Government Grants in IAS 20, or the Guidance on Contributions for Not-for-Profit Entities in ASC 958-605. This could include various forms of government assistance, but excludes transactions in the scope of specific U.S. GAAP, such as tax incentives accounted for under ASC 740 income taxes. Companies will need to provide information about the nature of the assistance received, including significant terms and conditions, as well as the company's accounting policy and the specific financial statement line items affected. The new guidance is expected to be effective for all entities for annual periods beginning after December 15, 2021. Next, we look at some of the standard-setting developments you need to know about as we make our way through 2021. First up, regarding credit losses, the FASB is moving forward on three projects. The FASB is currently in the midst of its post-implementation review, or PIR, of ASU 2016-13, the new guidance on credit losses. 
The PIR has involved outreach with numerous stakeholders, including public companies who have adopted the credit losses standard, private companies who have not yet adopted the standard, authors, regulators, investors, and analysts. Although the PIR is ongoing, the FASB has already decided to add or continue projects on three topics. First, the FASB decided to add a project to its technical agenda to address whether to remove the guidance on troubled debt restructurings, or TDRs, for creditors who have adopted ASU 2016-13. This project will include considering what disclosures or disclosure enhancements would be necessary if the TDR guidance is eliminated. The FASB also added a project to consider expanding the scope of the accounting model for purchased credit deteriorated P or PCD assets to all loans acquired in business combinations and modifying elements of the presentation for acquired financial assets that apply the PCD model. The FASB instructed the staff to perform further research on whether, one, the scope of the project should be expanded to other purchased assets other than loans and or all acquired loans, that is, those acquired in asset acquisitions, and two, whether certain assets, for example, credit cards, available for sale debt securities, or beneficial interests, should be excluded from the PCD guidance. Lastly, the FASB voted to keep a project on whether gross write-off and recovery information should be presented in the required vintage disclosure table. For more information on credit losses, refer to Chapter 7 of our Loans and Investments Guide. Next up, the FASB votes to finalize amendments for revenue contracts acquired in a business combination. On July 28th, the FASB decided to finalize amendments to the guidance in ASC 805 business combinations that will change how contract assets and contract liabilities arising from contracts with customers are measured when acquired in the business combination. Under the revised guidance, an acquirer will recognize and measure contract assets and contract liabilities at the acquisition date in accordance with the provisions of ASC 606, revenue from contracts with customers, rather than at fair value. The new guidance is intended to improve consistency and revenue recognition in the post-acquisition period for acquired contracts as compared to contracts entered into after the business combination. The FASB expects to issue the final standard in the upcoming months. It is expected to be effective for fiscal years beginning after December 15, 2022 for public business entities. Non-public business entities will have an additional year to adopt. Early adoption will be permitted. Lastly, we spotlight the FASB's request for feedback on its future standard-setting agenda. The FASB issued an invitation to comment at the end of June as part of its agenda consultation, a process it last took on in 2016. The request describes four types of potential projects. One, greater disaggregation of financial information. Two, emerging transactions. Three, reduction of complexity in existing gap, and four, improvements to the FASB standard setting processes. Responses to the invitation to comment are due September 22nd, after which the FASB will use the feedback to help decide where to focus its standard setting efforts going forward. 
The next section is the PWC Reference Library. Refer to the print publication for a listing of reference materials, including podcasts, webcasts, and print publications that expand on the discussion in the quarter close. And finally, a quick reminder that there are multiple accounting standard updates that will be effective in 2021, 2022, and beyond. You can find more information on effective dates within the appendix of the print publication of quarter close or on PWC's Effective Dates for New FASB Guidance page on Viewpoint. That does it for this quarter. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the companion online version of the quarter close, which can be found at viewpoint.pwc.com, along with other quarter end resources. And this week, we have two more podcasts for you. Look for the next episode in our full disclosure series, this week talking about derivatives and hedging. And on Thursday, we'll be releasing the first episode in our current events coverage looking at the lingering COVID-19 impacts on businesses. So that you never miss an episode, follow the PwC Accounting Podcast series wherever you listen to your podcasts. And to stay up to date on all the latest content, let's connect on LinkedIn. From Thought Leadership at PwC, I'm Heather Horn. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates, and they sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.